0: Welcome to the Podcast of Champions. This is the Herald Express Devon Live Talky United Yellow Army podcast, created weekly for you by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. Here you can find everything you ever wanted to know about Talky United. You can find the podcast in the Talker United section of devonlive.com, or you can subscribe to us in iTunes or at ACAST. So welcome along to another lockdown podcast I hope this finds you all well We find ourselves uh, breaking news this morning Things are moving pretty rapidly in the world of the National League It was announced yesterday that the clubs have voted to end the season immediately I think it's fair to say that's a decision that hasn't gone down well at Torquay United Richard has managed to have a chat with Gary Johnson this morning So uh, let's clear the decks before we begin the podcast in its usual form And let's listen to uh, Richard's chat with Gary Johnson um,
1: obviously, Thanks. you're disappointed about the decision, I would guess, are you?
2: <laughs> yeah, very disappointed. Yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, I think it was, um, you know, we were, a lot of clubs were directed into making this decision. Um, and some, obviously, most clubs are looking at it for their own purposes, as it were. Yeah. And, um, you know, so, unfortunately, I think quite a few clubs didn't vote, abstained, um, so although they said they got you know, 90%, obviously they must have had a majority, but um, a lot of clubs didn't feel they could vote because they didn't really know what they were actually voting for, because it's the next vote that decides whether there's a null and void or promotion and relegation.
1: Absolutely, I mean, it, it did feel slightly like a fate accompli, didn't it, once... Um, once they put it out to, to tender, as it were?
2: Yeah, they well, You know, I think, you know, some teams felt that uh, uh, probably that um, their state of play was, you know, if they were just above the relegation zone, that it was safer <laughs> to end the season than, than to play it. Mm. Um, I think we've got to remember that there's a, you know, there's a a, a, a bigger... <laughs> a bigger thing that we've all got to think about and that is obviously the, the pandemic the virus the coronavirus and you know I for one know that, that you know the season can only be played when it's safe for everybody um, you know to, to play and to carry on the season so but I felt that we've lost the hope for our supporters and players you know all over the country supporters all over the country in the hope that we we do something does happen quickly with yeah. the coronavirus. You know, we hope that it gets cleared up, and and I just and then we can start playing. I mean, if it does get cleared up, and we could have played in July, for instance, then it'd be disappointing that we couldn't finish finish the season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, where where does this leave planning? I know planning. I know that you know in this, this weird times, you know some people are not supposed to be working, etc. but obviously your mind is is focusing on the future. And where does this leave your planning?
2: Well, we, you know, we we sort of anticipated, uh, myself and and George Edwards, our chief exec, that this situation may happen. So we've been having sort of discussions, but now we know for sure that, you know, well, we've got the first part of the complication over. Um... With the statement that the National League have made, so we've got a a, a conference call today um myself and george and we're just going to discuss um you know the the plans going forward and and you know George has always been positive right through it as far as you know we'll we'll get through it what what whatever happens but obviously it's how you get through it and um you know we need to keep as many people together as as we can that are at the club because they're all good people and um, yeah yeah, you know so it's a a bit precarious for players at the moment they don't know where the future is and whether there's going to be any money coming in you know that sort of stuff the government have done their job um but unfortunately the voters took away their their opportunity to do their job yeah yeah
1: what what about um games behind closed doors because i mean the government said yesterday that that it could be you know next year before mass gatherings are allowed again so that would obviously impact on next season as well could you maybe see that happening yeah you
2: know, yes okay um you know it depends on you know everything's guesswork yeah we can't
1: we can't predict what the virus is going we to do can't can we they. can't
2: predict and we don't we don't know some are saying it could be next year and you know and, and there's lots of you know people speculating and when you listen to the um scientists you know <clears throat> nobody knows if the scientists don't know then obviously you know we don't we don't know um but all all what i'm disappointed with is that I wanted all along to be aligned with the EFL
1: yeah.
2: and be part of their decisions, not the National League necessarily necessarily make um, you know a, dis- a decision for us um, outside of the the football league.
1: Yeah, uh, obviously they need to they need to add a team to the to league too as well. So I guess well exactly you know. exactly
2: yeah, um, and so whether that. You know, complicates things. If if our league, well, it will. If our league decided that there wouldn't be any promotion and relegation, you know, if that, that's the vote, then um, promotion and relegation. Then, um, and, he, and the EFL ends up playing, and and they get relegation and promotion. Then yeah, yeah. goes up. You know, I just, I just think it was a great opportunity for our national league to
1: fall into. To, yeah. Into... To, yeah. To.
0: Here we go then with the podcast this week it was a very interesting chat you had there with Gary Richard he's um he's quite um he's angry isn't he he's one of those people who treats friend and foe you know sort of fairly equally, but you could tell in his voice that this is um this has upset him a bit
1: well I think he's he's angry that the the season is ending as it is um with the caveat that there are more important things to think about than football I think that's fair to say yeah uh, before we discuss it um because obviously you know. Um people are dying, so football really is it's, we don't need to say it, do we but but it really is a side issue at the moment it is. however, we are here to talk about football, so we'll talk about football
0: we are there's um, some somebody's left a comment on um, on the story about gary uh that already saying you know come on it, it's it is only football and yeah, you're absolutely right, but that's what we're here to chat about as you' say, and it matters a lot to people doesn't it it's not just the football, it's the getting together, it's the you know the return to normality.
1: Gary talks in. I mean, I've I, I've written up a piece for the Western Morning News, which will probably go in tomorrow. Um, from 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 speaking to him earlier on, and I focused a bit on the the fact that he talks about hope. Mm. Uh, players' hope and fans' hope seems to have been taken away from them. Um, that that the season would finish, that they can go and watch football. You know, football fans like to go and watch football and now they're not going to be able to do that for for some considerable time.
0: And one of the great beauties of supporting a small club is that you do get to know people. You get, you know, the pop-siders get to know the players, the relationship between the pop-side and Reedy and what have you. They know each other, they see each other out in the street and, and, you know, people are missing out on that and they're missing out on the contact with the club. Gary describes it as a family, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: he does. And again, he used that term... Uh, you know the football family. That's in a broader sense. I, I, I guess what he meant also was the Talk United family. Mm. Um, the fact that that we we are so close to the players because of the level we play at. But then that was always the case in the in the league anyway. Um, we, we, we've had uh, we've had people involved with the club like Gary um, previously, like Mike Bateson who did like to to give fans opportunities to. To be close to the club, and the club has been has been wonderful place to to watch football because of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, indeed. So, getting serious for a moment, then the the national league's decision to basically end the season just leaves so many questions unanswered, doesn't it? I mean, being out of step with the football league, uh, Gary's right that it's it's just the wrong way to go, isn't it?
1: week didn't I that I I got to the point where I thought oh god let's just just call it off now and and focus on next year and yet when it happens you feel like a bit deflated um, because there's suddenly nothing to look forward to Um, then you've got the complications of promotions and relegations Uh, Torquay won't be involved in that although they could have been if they'd been given the opportunity to play the, the final 10 games and like Gary said there's 30 points to play for You know they could have closed that ten point gap. It would have been hard. Don't don't get me wrong, but they could have closed that ten point gap. Another thing that Gary also pointed out, but everybody in uh, the National League uh, top division still had something to play for because everybody could have got out of uh, promotion. uh, Sorry, everybody could have got out of relegation problems had they put on such an amazing spurt. Uh, Everyone could have dropped out of the the promotion places. Nothing was guaranteed. Anyone in the middle could have still gone on a run or gone on an awful run, and and, uh, so actually, there was everything was still to play for. But the 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 way that the the league asked the teams to vote was almost it almost assured the fact that that the season would be over because anyone really below the promotion places and the playoff places were going to vote. Let's end yeah. it because uh, they were looking after their own interests and who's yeah. to say that's not the best thing for them to do as, as clubs.
0: But you've got the situation now haven't you Well, let's say Stevenage are relegated from League 2. I mean they're 10 points adrift at the bottom of League 2 so let's say Stevenage are relegated from League 2 because the EFL goes back to playing its games. There's a team in limbo there because presumably Barrow are not being promoted from the National League. Well
1: I wouldn't be surprised at all. In fact I've if I did put money on stuff and I do it occasionally, um, <laughs> um, I'm allowed. I'm not I'm not within the football uh sort no, it's true. of uh, yeah. banning of that. Um, Barrow will probably go up because Berry went out of business at the start of the season and they have been running a team short in League Two all season.
0: Of course. Of and course so I they hadn't are, thought the, of that. they
1: need a team whatever yeah. to just make up the numbers. Now Steven is as you said a ten points uh, Adrift of everyone else, and really, you know, they would have eaten the ones expected to finish bottom and go down. So then, that brings into play the the, the playoffs, and uh, you know, who who would go up through the playoffs? Of course, there's seven, six teams in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, in the national league. Now, will those teams now vote to continue the playoffs? The teams that play that are, are currently in those positions, of course, they will. Yeah, because they um, want the chance to go up. Absolutely. Um, everyone else will probably vote no. Um, it's a it's a nuts situation, and um, it changes every week. Um, one minute you're not expecting to hear from the national league till May.
0: Yeah. And
1: then you hear the next day.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the prospects of the result of the uh, the vote on promotion and relegation that's just going to be even more chaotic, isn't it?
1: And I shall no longer expect to have a date to expect to hear that. No. I shall just expect it to appear one day when I'm, you know, when I'm
0: you'll
1: be cooking, out. The, cooking the tea or, or taking the dog for a
0: walk. You'll be out walking the dog and your phone yeah. will go off and you'll have to race yeah. back to your laptop a double quick time. Because it should have been, on Saturday, it should have been our last game of the season. We should probably all have been getting aboard a bus somewhere and heading for Hartlepool with a playoff place at stake um yeah. we'd have been looking forward to that like mad but as it is we're in lockdown no football it's um these are grim times so that's where the podcast comes in isn't it we can uh, we can try and lift the spirits a little bit well hopefully yeah so we're in, our a to z has got us as far as the letter f uh once again invaluable help from uh, some of our listeners julian in particular f is obviously for furloughed footballer yes sure, which fits yeah. fits in quite nicely but there are plenty of other Fs as well. So let's uh, let's talk about a few. Um, it's one of the first ones that came to mind, especially with the current squad that we've got, is French players. We've had quite a number of French footballers uh, playing for Torquay. And, but you were saying from your researches, it's mainly in recent years, isn't it?
1: Well, I haven't gone through Jed, uh, Lee Edwards' book uh, Player by Player. <coughs>
0: um, it's not as if you like, haven't had anything else to do today.
1: Well, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, but i can i can't remember too many players um of french origin before the 2000s and um i think i i can only see a quick glance one player yeah um, before 2000. Um, but i do have a list of 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 players oh that's good and going i found online some some interesting uh Website that gives nationalities of players and who they've played for. So uh, yeah, I've got
0: I've got a half decent list next to me. Go on, now, covered, I can't what? remember. Okay, go on. Let's spring a few on me because I'm I jotted some down this morning. I didn't get as far as ten, so um, you better fire away.
1: Oh, okay, well you, you do yours, Guy, and then I'll tell you I'll tell you the ones that we're, we're we're left
0: over with. Well, the one the the one player that I remember particularly fondly is a gentleman. I think I a gentleman say. by the name of Jean Pierre Sim.
1: Absolutely.
0: Remember Jean Pierre? Didn't play I all that many games. would yeah, didn't play all that many games for us, did he? No. He, was he made bit... his
1: debut on the same day that Ethian Williams made his debut and scored a hat trick. He did. Um it was—I think it was the hat trick goal that was against Hartlepool, if I remember it right. It was. Me.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and I remember the hat trick goal. I think it was the hat trick goal, uh, Williams' hat trick goal, um, specifically because it came from jean Pierre Sim running down the left-hand side of the, the pitch all the way to the almost the <laughs> corner flag and then literally just cutting in and r- running up the, the line towards the goal and then just laying off a pass for Williams yeah. to, to poke the ball home. Um, jean- of course, Williams got all the plaudits that day for his debut and, 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 and of course, he should do. we just signed him for £60,000, I think, which was a, a lot yeah. of money... Back in those days, it would be a lot of money now if we paid £60,000 for a player. And he scored a hat-trick and the photo was there with him with the ball afterwards and, and he got the plaudits. But Jean-Pierre Sim made a, made, a, made an interesting debut that day. He did. And went on to, to confuse defenders as much as he confused himself from there on.
0: That's beautifully put. So I was going to say Jean-Pierre, he was one of those players who would set off on a run. He, I mean there was a, a touch of the Calvin Kalala about him at times He would set off on a run and you kind of thought He doesn't know where he's going with this But he'd invariably end up somewhere dangerous And uh, laying on a goal for somebody
1: Well the thing is the way the ball would bobble around his feet He didn't necessarily know where he was going <laughs> But then adding to that Nor did the defenders
0: Clever stuff you was okay. to watch and he scored a goal. It wasn't in that game, was it? I can't remember who he scored his goal against. You may have it there or I may be putting you under undue pressure. But the celebration vastly outweighed the quality of the goal, if I remember. <laughs> he, he ran the entire length of the pop side, high-fiving everybody in the front row. He um, was just a great player to watch. And Dave and I always used to say we like to think that he's running a beach bar somewhere nice um you know in, in his dotage after giving up football so um, and of
1: course, of course behind the bar there will be a framed Talk united shirt
0: absolutely and a couple of scarves left behind by fans on holiday <coughs> yeah
1: let me just have a look i've
0: got there <laughs> <so laughs> with me, there with me. but there was a, there was a team of mavericks around about that time I mean, avian williams himself was a you know quite a character as well wasn't he he he, he kind of suffered a little bit from scoring that hat trick on his debut because so much was he expected did. of him.
1: He did. Um, Jean uh, Pierre Sim scored um, in a two 0 win, home win against Rotherham United, um, with with William scoring the other goal. There you it go.
0: Two thousand two hundred and ninety six people
1: on April the twenty fourth. Is that today?
0: That's tomorrow. It's an anniversary. Tomorrow, right? Yeah.
1: April twenty fourth, nineteen ninety
0: nine. Good heavens! Almost
1: it... twenty years
0: ago. <laughs> That's actually quite scary. 21 20 years ago tomorrow. How about that? Yeah. I remember it well. So, yeah, Jean-Pierre Sim. More um, than 20 years ago. My apologies. It yeah. is. Uh, in no particular order, of course, goalkeeper that we had um season before last, Vincent Dorel. Decent goalkeeper. Yeah. French keeper. Yeah, we keeper. liked him, didn't we? Yeah, he was, he was good. He was one of those keepers who had a bit of a, a a slightly rocky start to his career at Playmore, and then just got better and better. I thought he was—he yeah. um, was a good keeper. Don't know where he yeah. is now. We'll have to look him up sometime. Um, okay. Olivier Gégane was here yep. um, a couple of years ago. We liked him too, didn't we? Good player. Yeah, don't think we don't think we saw the best of him. He only had a, no. quite a brief spell with us, but I thought he had plenty to offer. Um, maybe the opposite of that For whatever reason uh, An unfulfilled Playmore career For Guy Nabou Who came oh, here I'm Under on, I'm on the list He came here Under Gary Hours um, He played for Marseille He'd had you know, yeah. I mean, He'd had a de- decent career I mean he was A decent player he kind of Lost his way a little bit and Gary Hours Brought him in Thinking that A little spell with Torquay might reignite right. His I career was a, It was a big thing Wasn't it It the, was the big player but it didn't really happen he looked the part as well he was a proper athlete and he was yeah. quick but uh, we never got to see well we never got to see anything from him really apparently he just disappeared one day he came back with the um, team from I think it was a game at Boreham Wood uh, was supposed to report in for training the next day and didn't and um, the next thing that Gary Hours heard from his agent was that um, he would he departed he'd gone somewhere else no
1: offence to Boreham Wood but that might put you off if you <laughs> <laughs>
0: bigger possible yeah it's possible he's he's thinking of better things yep. uh and the other two are on my list obviously a much more recent johnny for uh, cuiniate yeah um yeah big he, we, pop- who, again i quite liked uh, obviously he's left us and where's he playing
1: now guy i've put you
0: on the spot this uh, time oh i can't remember where he's playing <laughs> now i can't honestly can't remember I, i'm you see with the with the lockdown you kind of drop out of football mode for a while you don't do. you? yeah yeah but what a nice guy jean Um Always one of the first people To come up to you When you went out To the training ground Shake your hand And wish you good morning um, Thoroughly Thoroughly nice guy So we hope he uh, Wherever it is That he's playing And I really should know um, Hope he's doing okay And the guy okay. That we've got with us At the moment Of course Calvin Lombombo Kalala um, Who is going to be One day A great Great player You know He's you know got what? I forget He's French Yeah Um
1: He's been, he's been in England before, before he was at Torquay. We got him from uh, Cheltenham, where Gary had been with him, I believe. So um, it's just because, because he's not come directly from France. It's just in my head, yeah. he's, he's not French. Um, he is obviously French. So, uh, so yeah, he, he's in the list. But he's, he's, he's another one of those players who, when he's on it, he's terrifying for he, defenders, I should imagine. He, um, is he on it enough?
0: Yeah, he's got all the ingredients, hasn't he? He's got the speed, he's got the skills. We've seen he's got fantastic finishing ability as well. Yeah, but you kind of feel like um, Gary and Aaron are trying to guide him in the niceties of the English game, and you, you feel like they get exasperated with him occasionally. But I, I think there is a great player in there, and, and you know it'll come out sooner or later. I just hope it does while he's with us.
1: He's one of the stars of my football manager team at the moment.
0: Isn't he? Oh, good. Okay. How are we we doing in that, by the way? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) F is for football manager, so we'll come to that in a minute. What other French players have you got there? I've got Khalid Chalky. Khaled Chalky, yeah.
1: 2001, he was with us. Um, A a big, strong midfielder, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, uh, Became a a, a bit of a fan's favourite. Wasn't around that long. Um, but a decent player. Um, again, a, 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 almost a typical French player. If you think of French players, he fits that mold, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, good player. Um, who else have I got here? I'm trying to get the uh, so, so Marie Casacco, yes,
0: yeah, remember um, him
1: 2006 ish, yeah, um, yep. Yeah. Was, played quite a few games if my memory serves me right the yeah. website I was looking at doesn't give the amount of games they played just the teams they played yeah. for but um, if my memory serves me quite right he played, he played a few games and was a decent winger if I remember rightly but yeah he was quite
0: fast and he was more. quite physical if I remember rightly as well
1: yeah so that's him um, Mamadou Sal yeah was
0: also
1: a French player around that period 2005 at lists on the website um, again these players didn't hang around long, did they? No. Um, not, not, not more than a season for, for for some of them. I don't think. But yeah, he was a he was a half decent player, if I'm a rightly as well. And then I've got um, Oswald. I oh know Oswald Lopez, two thousand and five, who I have no memory of whatsoever. I don't
0: Oswald Lopez.
1: Oh, if anyone remembers Oswald Lopez, let let us know because I have no memory of him. Apparently, according to this website, again, it doesn't give you the amount of games they played. It just gives you the teams that they played for, and he also played for Plymouth. So, was it a lone move? Was it 2005, I cannot remember him.
0: I wonder if we just had him in pre-season or something like that.
1: Yes, well, possibly. Um, I would presume this this, this website is giving us players that were signed, but I can't remember him playing. And another one, a final one on this list. Um, Damien Mazika, two thousand and fourteen. Another player I don't remember.
0: They, I remember the name. I remember typing the name. It's one of those things yeah. you remember typing the name, and um, some names are easier to type than others.
1: Yeah, yeah, I always remember the first time I had to type Kevin Amankwa. Yeah. I can I can tell you where I was. It was a Harley pool, funnily enough, <laughs> isn't that weird? Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, that was. that's a memorable word to type because you're obviously quite wary of what you're
0: typing. Of course. And when you're trying to type things quickly, uh, a player that we'll mention next week, uh, Giancarlo Gallifuocco, surprisingly easy to type. Yeah. Uh, that All the letters must be really close together. Oddly, some names are really difficult to read, but when you actually type them, the the keys are in such a nice... Yeah. Flowing area that
1: that they just they just work really well.
0: See, that's an anecdote that only people who spend their entire lives hammering away at keyboards will understand. But um, Indeed, if you yeah. are a keyboard warrior, just try typing Giancarlo Galifianakis. You'll be absolutely fine, <laughs> no problems at all. It's a, bit, it's a
1: bit like a nice piece of piano
0: music. <laughs> <laughs> A sonata. Right, so The Mystery of Oswald Lopez. There you go. Detectives out there in podcast land. The Mystery of Oswald Lopez. We've definitely got a title for this week's podcast, anyway. The Mystery of Oswald Lopez, it is. It
1: sounds sounds like an Agatha
0: Christie (laughs) novel. It does. Maybe not one of her better ones. No. F is for FA Cup as well. FA Cup, obviously, now. Fall into two stools here. I love the FA. I love all cup competitions. I even love the Devon Bowl. I like knockout competitions. I think it's from playing Sabutio as a child or something. But, I mean, we've had runs in the cup, but in recent years, the success has been few and far between, haven't they?
1: Yeah, we did have a, a run of not actually ever, not reaching the first round mm. for three or four years, didn't we? Um Fortunately, we, we, we managed to get that monkey off our shoulder, but only lasted for one game. lasted
0: for one game. Went down. have um, we been down down
1: some, some great FA Cup memories of the past. The fourth round is the furthest we've reached, but we've done it, I don't know, four or five times. It's yeah, game, probably
0: about uh, right. Um, the game, of, of that. game at Coventry has to stand out as, as, yep. as my favourite FA Cup tie. I think the game at the old Highfield Road... Dreadful pitch, great game. Torquay absolutely dominated that game and, and lost it 2-0. Uh, it's on YouTube. The highlights are on YouTube and um, it's absolutely great. It's a classic piece of uh, muddy, terrible pitch, 1980s football.
1: Oddly, I was there, but I have no memory of the game whatsoever. So Don't I have to, have, a, have to refresh myself.
0: I remember the strange thing about Highfield Road was that you actually went down onto the terrace from where the where the away fans were the street outside was higher than the terrace. So okay. you actually walked in through the turnstiles and then down from street level onto the terrace. I remember
1: as a family, we got searched by a nice police lady.
0: Did you? Um, okay. Yeah,
1: on the way in. It, it was the 80s, wasn't
0: it? It was, it? Yeah, yeah. I do remember going to Burnley once and they uh, escorted us into Turf Moor with a, a phalanx of police horses and goodness knows what else. And somebody did turn around to one of the officers and say, you realise we are just Talker United, don't you? But as you say, it was the '80s, and um, some teams were not as well behaved as we were. So the FA Cup, um, a gentleman that we need to mention, um, who was a, a close colleague of ours in the press box for many, many years, a gentleman by the name of Ken Furphy. Absolutely, who, uh,
1: yeah. I, I um, wouldn't know him as, as, as well as you do. Uh, I think he was he was there for a couple of seasons when I started going into the press box. But he was a lovely bloke, really friendly. No matter who you were, I mean, I was I was a a newbie and uh, not very not very experienced, but didn't matter. He he was quite happy to to chat to me and make me feel comfortable. He was doing the radio,
0: wasn't he? He was. He was on BBC Radio Devon, and uh, he was impossible to please as well. You could have, I mean, there, there's a footballer coming up in our team of F's, who is one of the greatest footballers that we've seen playing for Torquay United, and and even Ken was he'd done so much in football and in management. That he was impossible to impress. You know, He the silkiest skills out on the pitch, and Ken would, yeah, but he should have done this, he should have done that. I mean, Ken played more than 500 games for Darlington, Workington and Watford. He was player-manager at Workington and Watford in the 60s. Back even as recently as the 60s, Watford had a player-manager there. He managed Blackburn, Sheffield United, the Bermudan national team, but I yeah. think... The the great what must have been the most fun for him in his management career in 1976 he was the manager of the New York Cosmos he was with Pele in the team playing and George in, playing in the Yankee Stadium um, that must have been a heck of a time they used to say that when they travelled away uh, it was like touring with the Rolling Stones in those days I, I
1: have a, uh, did George Best not play in that team as well I
0: think didn't George Best play for um, La, I think he played for you somebody else up. Giorgio yeah. Canaglia The um, Italian centre forward uh, Played in the same team Because Pele and Cinalia, um Developed quite a, a partnership up front Under Ken Furphy But it was just strange Sitting next to this guy in the Plainmore press box Who had managed Pele for the New York Cosmos
1: I think I've got a New York Cosmos um, Program From that era um, really yeah in the archives boxes that i've got of all this all the all the football stuff it's basically waiting to be sorted out when i retire um, <laughs> so it'll be a little while away yet but that's my that's my retirement uh, i'm hoping that scanners will be easier to use in those days Yeah. yeah. 20, uh, it, 20, I've got myself a long working life so if i'm going to retire in 20 years time but never mind
0: you kind of um, hope so. and uh, yeah I I, I I think i think i might have a program with
1: with ken involved i don't know but I, I know that harry redknapp i think was there yeah. and there was an ex-talkie player playing for them at the time as well and i can't remember who it is but um yeah i'll have to search that out
0: new york Cosmos, ex torquay player at the cosmos
1: i'm sure there was
0: i wonder wonder who that was no. Ber- bertie knows in the background anyway no, <laughs> Uh, carrying on with the F's Friday night football Now Friday night football um, Tranmere Rovers obviously were the pioneers Of Friday night football back in the day But Torquay experimented with it now, Back in the 70s we'd play on Saturday nights Which I used to love um, We used to play at the, the 7.45 kickoff On a Saturday night Because you'd get the football special over from Paynton um, And the football special back again But Friday night football under Dave Smith Which Yeah
1: I I obviously went to the games because I was going then, but I don't remember particularly them being Friday night games or Saturday night games. Mm. Um, what were your experiences?
0: I quite liked it. I, you know, an, e- an evening match was good. I think they probably stopped doing it because everybody was encouraged to get back into step for the purposes of the pools and the uh, the betting and what have you. But, but what was um, the
1: reasoning, you know?
0: I think there was an idea that you'd get a bigger crowd because people would be playing local football on the Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, because back in those days, you'd have seven divisions in the South Devon League and whatever else was going on, um, South Western League, Western League. So they wanted to give people a chance to go and play for their village teams, town teams and support those teams and then come and watch Torquay United in the evening on a it Saturday or on a yeah. Friday. Did make okay. perfect sense. And of course, you Did get a great the attendances do we know though I, I um, remember. can't remember can't remember I mean I, I, evening football is great anyway and Friday evening Saturday evening football was um, as I remember it was uh, was quite something it would be nice to try that again yeah. football will have to try some different things post coronavirus won't it
1: well hopefully if, if if anyone's got an imagination
0: then then use it <laughs> yeah yeah. so you know to try and get the crowds back in after this they're going to have to try some different things so maybe yeah. Friday night football wouldn't be a ridiculous idea.
1: When 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 this all started, the coronavirus break started. You know, you were thinking, oh, when, when, when football comes again, there'll be massive crowds and it'll be a big celebration. But you start to wonder now that you know. Will next season even be allowed to have crowds to start yeah, with? Because yeah. of uh, you know comments from government ministers about you know the lockdown continuing in some shape or form, maybe just slightly relaxed, but in some shape or form up until Christmas, up yeah. until uh, up until next year. So the idea that in 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 August you know there's going to be crowds at Playmore again has to be treated yeah. skeptically, I think, at the moment. But, you know, you were thinking, oh, you know, the first game back, everyone's going to be in party mood, it's going to be brilliant. But I think there'll there'll be people worrying that they don't want to get into crowds, even though they're allowed to.
0: I think you're right. I think people will be wary of um, being in big jostling crowds. Um,
1: You've just spent, let's say, four months avoiding people. Yeah. Then just to walk into a football stadium and be in the the middle of of a crowd, that that seems counter, counter... Yeah, it
0: does. Nice.
1: Counter to what you've been doing and, and and probably a bit strange
0: very it's 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 going to be its it's going to be like one of those phased returns isn't it it's you know when you've uh, when you come back from an illness you have a phased return yeah. to work it's going to be a phased yeah. return to football isn't it
1: two days back one week from yeah. a couple of weeks and three days back and eventually five weeks later you're working full time again as if nothing's happened
0: exactly. Um, before we move on to the team Of players with F's The other F that I wanted to talk to you about And I know this is it's A subject close to all our hearts Football in film Movies, football. And movies about football Films with, um, with bits of football in them Actually one of the other um, Nationwide podcasts did touch on this This week so uh, it's not an original Idea from us but uh, Football on film There are so many that you can choose from But just a few, you remember the football match in Kes? Yeah,
1: actually, that I, I saw that on telly the other day. Um, it was on part of a, well, actually, it was quite an extended bit. It was almost a whole, oh, no, it wasn't. It, it popped up on Facebook, one of those memes on Facebook. Yeah. It was It was the whole match. And, I. you know, you normally, you look at if, what's come up on Facebook for five seconds and, and, you know, scroll up. But I actually watched the whole match. It was quite funny.
0: Brian Glover in his uh, Manchester yeah. United one, shirt is absolutely yeah. superb. Uh, The Damned United was on TV the other night. It's a good film. I'm still
1: convinced that Michael Sheen sat in front of me at uh, Swansea City. Uh, against Torquay in the late 80s I've got a photo and I swear it's
0: him might well have done we need to see that picture oh I only saw that for the first time the other night by the way it was on um, I think it was on Saturday night what a cracking film Stephen Graham as William Bremner uh, was absolutely oh, I tremendous I thought oh, he was in it yeah, yeah it's very very good and uh, Martin compston's in it as well there's quite a lot of well-known actors in there it's that's a good film. The uh, historical accuracy is disputed by some of the people who were there at the time, but it doesn't. Yeah, alter... that, that is the film industry, isn't it? It is. Doesn't alter the yeah. fact it's a cracking film as well. There's a lot of football in Gregory's Girl, which is yeah a
1: another great film.
0: Very very funny film.
1: Three three really good films so far.
0: Yeah, well I think yeah I think the um the football films tend to be pretty good. Escape to Victory, of course, is the one that everybody. Isn't that one of the ones with a thousand yard dribble in it? That's the usual problem with these films on TV, that um, you get a close-up of somebody dribbling the ball, a close-up of Boots and the ball, and it goes on for about five minutes. Do you it's- know what?
1: The, the, making a football scene realistic, is it must be impossible if you're acting it. Yeah. So I think, uh, I think it works in Kez, because it looks like they probably just let them try and play football. Um, And they're only kids uh, 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 and an adult who should know better, obviously. But, um, (laughs) you know, um, it does look like they are playing football, recording it, and then adapting that to to the film rather than the other way around, which always looks ridiculous, almost cartoon-like.
0: Yeah, you just you, you, the thousand-yard dribble just ruins a football film for me. I have to say. If well, I can't, I can't,
1: there's a scene in that film I can't watch where the uh, the, the Irish goalkeeper gets his arm broken.
0: Oh yeah, I was going to mention that. With all the horror films that you've seen over yeah. the years and all the gratuitous violence in movies, it's still that moment in Escape to Victory that makes you cringe, isn't it? It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> That's that. <laughs>
1: I'm a bit shaky. It's made me feel
0: ooh, yucky. Yeah, you need to go and make yourself a strong cup of tea now. Um, and, gin, I think. <laughs> and the one I'm going to find on YouTube this afternoon, because i bet it's there somewhere, is the Arsenal Stadium mystery, which was made hey. back in the 40s, I think. Um, it is what it says on the tin. It, it's, it's a murder mystery. It's set at, uh, at Highbury. It's got a load of Arsenal players in it. It's got a load of football in it. I haven't seen it for years, but I need to go back and look at that again.
1: Um, Arsenal were one of the first ever teams to be televised on football, or, uh, fo- to have televised football on television. Yeah. I don't know if it was because of that film, but I know that they used um, matches in that film, didn't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to try and find yeah, that. There's, I'll bet that's there's
1: there. a famous photo of Arsenal players kind of looking at, a ca- sort of being shown a camera. <laughs> they're all standing around. One of those beautifully posed early 40s photos yeah. where, come on, chaps, all come and stand around the camera and we'll make it look like the cameraman has given you a lesson.
0: Brilliant. It would have been on Pathé News as well. And Mr. It would have been,
1: yeah.
0: And Mr Chapman is showing his players the photographic equipment. <laughs> You've done it much better than <laughs> me. <laughs> and uh, honourable mention in passing for Brookside, where, if I remember rightly, Damon Grant was written out of Brookside and the way they wrote him out was that he was heading for the South Coast to have a trial with Torquay United. And um, why wouldn't he? And why wouldn't he indeed. So what a, what a happy life was uh, was lying in wait for, uh, for young Damon. I've got one more. Go on.
1: When Saturday Comes with Sean Bean.
0: Yes, I'd forgotten that it's one.
1: It was quite a good film.
0: Good good, good stuff. So the if old,
1: the old uh, sort of Sheffield, I believe he's a Sheffield United fan, isn't he? Or
0: yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. Sheffield United. Uh, and I think
1: it's based in Sheffield, and it's, it's the older amateur footballer um, getting a chance to play for his, his big local team, and you know all that the story that revolves around that.
0: Must look what that one out. I'll bet that's on a streaming service somewhere. I'll have a look. I'm,
1: presuming, I'm presuming the the fanzine stroke became a magazine when Saturday comes, and that. Uh, I'm I'm presuming the magazine comes first, came first. So why they would have called it that, I don't know. Maybe it's just a quirky, quirky coincidence.
0: Okay, and moving on then to our team of players, beginning with F, for which thank you once again, Julian. Um, We'll crack through these because we've taken up plenty of your lockdown time already. But some interesting players in this F team as well. The goalkeeper is a keeper by the name of David Fry. Played 30 games for us in 85-86, uh, having previously been at Crystal Palace in Gillingham. His claim to fame, according to that well-known uh, online encyclopedia, which we know not to trust 100%, but it's a good story anyway, his claim to fame is scoring with a drop kick for Yeovil against Slough in 1991. We've all seen those go in. In more, in more recent years, we've conceded one. But, uh, yes, it's always great when you see one of those fly in. So David Fry did do that for, uh, for Yeovil.
1: I don't remember David Fry. Um, I was watching then. Isn't it yeah. weird players? I mean, we've seen so many players over the years, haven't we? It would be impossible to remember them all, no, I guess. I
0: would, I would have been playing then. I'd have been playing probably in Division 6 of the South Devon League then in front of two men and a dog. So I, I probably wouldn't have seen David Fry play very much.
1: So is that, that's a story of
0: big fry and small fry then. Oh, very good. I tell you what, this is. <laughs> these retorts are just getting faster and funnier, Richard. These are uh, tremendous stuff. Uh, the back in at the back, Shamir Fenelon takes his place at the back. Played for us on loan from Brighton. He was Shamir Goodwin then. Twelve games for us on loan from Brighton in 2014. Scored one goal. He came here under Chris Hargreaves. Um interestingly I hadn't realized he's a Republic of Ireland under 21 international but he got a red card in a game against Newport at Plainmoor you know just when we were fighting against relegation in that season um we were relying on him pretty heavily because he's a decent player and still is uh, but he picked up a red card which was hotly disputed uh, missed three games they were three crucial games and we went down he couldn't save us from relegation that year
1: yeah, that was uh, a shame, wasn't it? I remember the, the controversy over that, but uh, uh, yeah, nothing was proved, so we'll, uh, no. we'll sweep that aside, kind of
0: thing. We will. He's a good player. He went on. He played for Aldershot. He scored nineteen goals in ninety games for Aldershot, which isn't a bad strike rate at all. No, no. Uh, and, I, I
1: wasn't here. I was in London. So, uh, but I remember my dad talking about him highly.
0: And he's playing for Maidenhead most recently. So, uh, Is that he right? still, still Is that around. Right? Uh, moving on through the Fs, Derek Fowler is among the Fs, played for Torquay between 83 and 86, so he'd have been a teammate of David Fry's. Four goals in 84 games for Derek, still living locally, I believe. Are we,
1: are we going through positions
0: or we just... We're in defence at the moment. We're in defence, yeah. Um, alongside him is Duncan Forbes. Uh, interesting cool. career Duncan Forbes had... Um, He played a lot of games for a lot of teams. He was here for seven games on loan in 1976-77. He spent 33 years on the books at Norwich in various various capacities. 13 as a player, seven in the commercial department, and 13 as chief scout. Uh, He played a massive number of games for Norwich. He also played 270 times for Colchester, so how he came to be on loan with us in the middle of that illustrious career, I don't really know. He must just have fallen out of favour at Carrow Road for a while. Absolutely. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I don't remember him, but uh, what a great name. Um, and there's there's a lovely story about him, again, on uh, oh, Wikipedia for that one. Um, somebody wrote about him at a game that, uh, that he Forbes got his customary booking. Perhaps the referee could save time by taking his name in the changing room before kick-off. Right. Well, yeah, what player was like. exactly. Next defender is a chap called George Foster. Uh, played most of his games for Argyle and for Mansfield. He played more than 200 games for Argyle and nearly 400 for Mansfield. He's one of those players who played for Torquay, Exeter, and Plymouth. Six games on loan for us in 1976, and three goals in six games, which gives him a 50% strike rate. There's not many people have got that. No. <laughs> so that's uh, that's good. But I didn't remember, yeah, he he was he played a lot of games for Argyle. I think he went into management afterwards as well. So, uh, Interesting, so useful okay. player, midfield. Jerry Go Fell. On. Jerry Fell played for us between 1980 and 1982. Fifty. Do remember
1: Jerry Fell? Yeah.
0: Twelve Sorry. goals in fifty games. That's not bad. No. Apparently he'd been working in the banking industry when he was first picked up by Brighton. Then he went to Southend, then he came to Torquay. Uh, He ended his days in football playing for Whitehall. He liked to seaside towns, didn't he? He did. Well, yeah, and also he played for the team with, with, apart from Go Ahead Eagles, maybe the team with the best name in world football. After Torquay, he went to Hong Kong to play for Happy Valley.
1: Very nice. I hope it's not like Happy Valley on the TV.
0: (laughs) no, No, that's true. But, uh, yeah, you'd want to go and play there, wouldn't you? We'll deal with some of the other midfield players before we, we come to the Galactico. A we'll chap by the name of Mark Ford played for us um, in 2000 and 2001. Played 28 games, scored three goals. Yep. He was a hecka, like heck him. of a player. He, yeah, I liked him. I thought
1: he was a good good player.
0: He played for England at under-18 and under-21 level. He'd been at Leeds and at Burnley, and he'd been playing in Belgium before he came to us. Don't know how he came to us. Whether his career had gone a little bit off the rails, and he came to us well, for a while.
1: I think he was one of those. What year did you say?
0: Two thousand. Uh, Two thousand. He arrived twenty years ago. He'd scored in the nineteen ninety six League the, Cup final. Scored it, isn't it? Mm. Scored for um, Leeds in the cup final in the League Cup final in ninety six. So he. he,
1: he I also think he might have been the player, although. It, I might be getting my players mixed up. I remember liking him. He scored a penalty against Exeter and celebrated in front of the Exeter fans. In, but that, they weigh it.
0: in that case, we elevate him to play more royalty for that Absolutely. one. Absolutely.
1: I'm sure that's the fella I'm thinking of.
0: That's it. Hang on. i just put a little asterisk next to his name on my notebook here for um, the Hall of Fame. Uh, Alex Fisher is in there as well. Player. Hey, he's at Exeter now, isn't he, Alex Fisher? He
1: is at Exeter, yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, we had him in 2015. No, no, no,
1: player there. He's, but he, he has been in the team every now and again.
0: We had him in 2015 for 21 games, in which he scored five goals. He scored on his debut on the opening day of the season against Macclesfield. Um, if I remember, he bundled it in from about three yards out, but we didn't mind that. It gave us the one 0 he- win. They all count, don't they? They do, but it kind of went wrong for him. He left again in December 2015. I don't remember yeah. why his time at Playmore was so short, but he went off to play for Inverness, Caledonian Thistle, and Motherwell, and Yeovil, and he's now at Exeter. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, after leaving us and going to Inver- Inverness, um, you know, he ended up at Motherwell, and that's quite a high-status club in yeah. Scotland, and then found his way down to Yeovil, and... Um, and did, did alright there before Exeter picked him up I, I didn't think he was such a bad player to be honest no. with you and uh, you know why he left I can't remember um, it was him it was him and uh, Bowman up front for a while and of course it it's Bowman up front um, at Exeter now okay.
0: but the player in the midfield the great player in the midfield Jason Fowler is in just our midfield just getting
1: down on my knees to, yeah. uh, to do you
0: know what a player Jason Fowler was he was here between 2001 and 2005 Played ninety-seven games. He, I mean, he did have problems with injury, didn't he? Seven goals in ninety-seven games. He'd been at Bristol City. He'd been at Cardiff, uh, and then he came to us. But just one of those players. The skills, the, the the poise, the grace, the skill in midfield of Jason Fowler is it, beyond compare, isn't it? He,
1: if he, he had an illness, didn't he, which uh, didn't hamper, didn't help his uh, his physicality. Hmm. Um, although he wasn't, you know, uh, uh, he looked fit to the eye. I think he, he, he struggled with um, <coughs> lasting 90 minutes, etc. Yeah. He came to us from Cardiff. Um, I think if he'd been as fit as a. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. That's, Steady good, on. <coughs> a good time to start coughing when I'm just talking about fitness. Um, uh, It's just all right. I'm just, uh, exactly. my, uh, I was just choking on my head.
0: I thought we walked into the fast show then for a minute.
1: Yeah, no, sorry about that. I haven't got any more... I've got some coffee. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Cold coffee has helped. No, if he if he had been the fittest player around, he would have been an England player, I'm sure of it. Yeah. He was so graceful on the ball. And he he pick up the ball in midfield and it almost turned like a ballerina.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, bit. the
1: graceful movement and finding a pass and... and oh loved watching
0: Jason Fowler. And for anybody who didn't see him play we're not laying this on too thick are we? This is He was genuinely a great great player. Um, his uh, his pre-match warm-ups always used to make us laugh as well though didn't they? Because players would be going through their drills and their stretches and their sprints and their doggies up and down and Jason would come on a little bit late maybe do one or two hamstring stretches and yeah okay that's that's me done I'm, I'm okay I'm done that was the stretch.
1: He was a wonderful player and a really nice bloke as well. And, and let's let's remember, you put him in a midfield with Alex Russell and your hero Matt Hotley, oh. and you've got a complete midfield.
0: That's just a, a magnificent midfield. And the great moment as well was when he played his last game for us. I'm sure you remember this as well. It was you know he, he got a, he suffered with arthritis in the end, which ended his career. Um, and Leroy took him around the ground, didn't he? He was there before kick off for a game, and Leroy Rosinier. Insisted that he took him around for a kind of a lap of honour around the ground, and everybody stood and applauded him, and, and it was very emotional. I know Jason himself was very emotional about that as well.
1: Yeah, wonderful player, and you know, um, although you know he should have been playing at a higher level, had all the ability to do so, um, we saw the best of him. I think.
0: I think we did, and I think we were lucky to um lucky to see him play for us as well. Yeah. up front yeah, in this.
1: More memory of we don't have many memories of him running with the ball, but the one I do is the first game of the promotion season mm-hmm. on the hottest day I've ever been in football at Northampton, um, and we won one nil, um, and they were the pre-season massive favourites. They 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 spent quite a lot. They had people like Josh Lowe and Paul Trollope that they bought during the summer. And everyone thought, well, they're just going to walk it. And we went up there on a really hot day. The referee was stopping the game every 15 minutes to give yeah. dish out water. And I can't remember what, what point of the game it is, but, but Jason just picked up the ball in midfield, just run through, ghosted through about four or five challenges and just planted the ball in the net. And it was 1-0. And that was uh, that was the first game of our promotion season that ended up at Southend.
0: Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. We've got a bit misty-eyed about Jason Fowler, yeah, but with good, good reason guy. as well. There are, there are, as we go through this A to Z, there are probably only about three or four players who will make us misty-eyed like that, but that's, um, that's definitely one of them. Moving up to the, uh, the striking partnership, then the first one is Adrian Foster. Yay! <laughs> Popular choice with you? He was here between 92 and 94. 24 goals in 65 games. Now that is a strike rate. That's, that, that's good. That so. is a
1: very good strike record. He was one of the Brummies wasn't he that um, came down uh, during that period uh, through John James's connections at the, the scout up there. Um, and my favourite, one of my favourite Talk United memories is of me and my friend John Arusi <clears throat> sitting. I, I, my dad wasn't at the game for some reason. It might have been that he was on holiday. He used to pop off to Florida every now and again and uh, so he wasn't there it was just me and my my friend John Arusi in the the usual seats in the old grandstand that I used to sit with with my dad and I think it was against Chesterfield and two nil down at half time we thought oh my word um, I think Chesterfield scored just after half time to make it three nil and we were talking about what we could have spent our money on <laughs> instead of being, being there. and Now, I'm not sure if this is completely correct, but I think Adrian Foster came on as a half-time substitute and scored a hat-trick, and it was 3 all at the end.
0: Brilliant. Those are the kind of games you remember, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. yeah. Now, I, I, I'm sure he came on as a hat-trick. I'm sure I got all that right. It might have been 3 nil at half-time, but I think it was 2 nil at half-time and then 3 nil just after. But Foster came on at half-time and became a legend.
0: Brilliant Played a lot of football For a lot of clubs In a long career Um, And I've got a feeling In the back of my mind He's an agent now Isn't he He's working with some um, Some young players now He may well be But the last
1: time I saw him And I can't remember Who he was managing But he was an opposing Manager at Buckland When they were playing In the Western Playing in the Western League Recently A couple of of seasons ago
0: I think he was at Froome Or somewhere like that Wasn't he That might well be yeah. Yeah Could have been And alongside him Up front Of course Is Justin Fashionu now, we've, we've talked a lot about Fash on this podcast before, but he's well worthy of his place in this team, isn't it? I hadn't realised until I looked him up this morning that of all the many, many teams that he played for in his career, the 41 games that he played for us, he only played more than that for Norwich and Notts County. He played for, he played for loads of other teams, but um, 41 game, 15 goals in 41 games for Torquay. Everybody at Playmore has got a story about Fash. I only met him a couple of times. I wouldn't say I knew him, I only met him once or twice. But uh, charming guy, great footballer as well.
1: He had a presence on and off the field, didn't
0: yeah, he? Yeah, he did. There are, I mean, there are stories all over Torbay of people who, who got involved with uh, events with Fash and, and you know, football matches. But he was a terrific player, a very strong player, uh, mentally and physically a very strong player. I used to
1: drink in a pub um, years ago with a group of people who became friends because they were they were the locals and there was a, there was a chap in there who, whenever we talked about Torquay Talk United, would misremember fashion Who's eighty goals in one hundred and twelve games or whatever it was <laughs> but, uh, but it's because he made such an impact in such a short time that people thought he was there longer,
0: yeah, yeah. Well worth his place in this team. Obviously, it's a story that has a tragic end. He took his own life in May 1998. But it's a story that's worth telling. It was good that a few weeks ago he was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame and not before time either. That's right.
1: That's why we talked about him then, wasn't it? So, yeah, a a, a big figure in Talking Night history.
0: And just as a final payoff on this team of Fs, the manager, um, Julian, has decided that the manager of this team should be Chris Fleet. Fleety would be so happy to be managing <coughs> this team, wouldn't he? Sorry? Our, Sorry? Hyp- our hypnotherapist, radio pundit, radio DJ, and um, and good friend to a lot of people up at Playmore. Well, Chris Fleet, you have the job of managing this team. Fleety well, well, would be very, very, very happy with this, wouldn't
1: he? I, I, uh, I, can't, I can't question Julian's
0: decision. <laughs> so there we go. That's your Fs. That's your A to Z. Um, of course,
1: isn't that weird? Because when you said that, my reaction was sorry.
0: Because <laughs> in
1: the back of my head it was, "Where's Franco Farrell?
0: Franco, oh, he come in the Os, there's wasn't too
1: he? Too many Fs in Franco
0: Farrell. Yeah, there's so many Fs in Franco Farrell that we'll have to do him during the Os instead. There's actually only two, but it makes it sound alright. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> So thank you very much for your time Richard It's nice to talk to you even if it is through the screen We apologise for the sound quality Because you know laptop speakers Are not great but um, I think we've got the gist of what's been Another quite long podcast Okay
1: by the way Guy You're looking very very Are you ready to go out for a run because you've got your added astraxia on
0: there I'm I'm channelling my inner Beckenbauer Today I I... I, I thought I would Just for the podcast yeah, so, um, um, i gonna make an effort next week Yeah, ready to head out there yeah, do, do, do a bit of sweeping, probably out on the patio <laughs> Thanks for your time We'll be back next week when we'll move on To another letter in the A to Z There'll be more news, no doubt About what's happening with the end of this National League season uh, In the meantime uh, Hope all listeners stay well Richard, stay well And in the meantime, come, come on you on. yellows You have been listening to the Devon Live Herald Express Talker United Yellow Army podcast recorded weekly by Guy Henderson and Richard Hughes. You can find us in the Talker United channel on the Devon Live website and you can subscribe to us at iTunes. Please leave a review wherever you see us. We welcome all feedback, uh, whether positive or negative. We always like to know what you think
2: of the Yellow Army podcast. Please join us next time.